0: Ministries podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 49, part one of Father Chris Thomas' teaching on the Scriptures, a daily guide for your life.
1: So, good afternoon. I was really moved this morning when Alice was sharing with us and she was reflecting on the truth that God is with us, that God is is somehow present in the very stuff of our lives and the very fibre of our beings. And I found myself asking the question, where have I met this Christ in these last couple of days? And as I was thinking about that and listening to what Alice had to share, I I found myself recognizing the truth that I have found this risen Christ in the chance conversation, in the meeting of eyes, in the smile of recognition, in the welcome that has gone on, that this Christ is somehow embedded into the very stuff of our lives. I was reflecting earlier in the week on the, the quotation from the Psalms that we're, we're using this year as the, uh, the theme for Celebrate, your word is a lamp for my steps and a light to my path. And, and I began to think about the, the first time really that the scriptures came alive for me. I was about five years of age. And those of you who know me well will know that my my family background was difficult. My dad was alcoholic, and because of that, life could be a little bit traumatic, and the tension at home was was quite difficult, certainly for a sensitive five-year-old to handle. My Nana lived with us, and when, when things were too difficult to handle, I would rush off to Nana's room, and she was bedridden, and I'd climb into bed with her, and, and she'd put her arms around me, and she'd hold me. And then after a few minutes, she'd she say, I'm going to read you a story. Now, Nana was born in 1892. And she wasn't a well-educated woman. She, she was from Ireland. And I think she could probably just about read. <laughs> I should have said, <laughs> oh. listen. I love my Irish background, just in case you wondered. So, (laughs) oh, gee. i cut you off the Thank you very much. Let's just say Nana could barely read. But she would always take, and it's very unusual, really, for a woman born in the 19th century, Catholic to her eyeballs, she would always take the Bible out. And she would read slowly and haltingly some of the stories from the First Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures. And as a a little boy, I was fascinated by these stories. I loved the blood and the guts. (laughs) I loved the battles. I loved the wars. I just loved these stories. I can remember once, I, I guess I'd have been about six, and... She told me the story of David and Goliath. And I felt a bit like David most of the time, you know. So she told me this story, and we lived in a very poor part of Liverpool. Our, our house at the time was an old presbytery, and it was surrounded by prefabs. You remember what prefabs were? Yeah, those prefabricated things put up after the to house, people. So it was surrounded by prefabs, and in the prefab behind us, lived a ginger tomcat. Now, this ginger tomcat was evil. (laughs) It was malevolent. It had a glint in its eye, and it hissed and spat, and it used to pee on our front doorstep (laughs) all the time. So every time we went into the house, there was this awful smell. So Nana told me the story of David and Goliath. I think you might know what's coming. I decided I was going to make a slingshot. So I got a bit of wood and an old piece of material and I fashioned it all together and I went into the garden to look for this cat. And there it was sat on our windowsill. So I loaded the stone. I wasn't quite sure what to do with a slingshot so I I flung it around my head a couple of times. Well, of course, the stone shot off, the cat mewed, ran off the thing and the window went bang. I guess that really wasn't putting the word of God into action. (laughs) When God discovered me, when God found me, I was about 15 years of age. And all the stories that Nana had told me came to life. I I suddenly realized that these stories weren't just ancient stories. They were the word of God. They were the word of life. And and, and the gift I was given was a gift of somehow recognizing that truth. The words would leap off the page. Stories would come to life in my mind. And I began to realize that these words, these ancient stories, could have a radical transforming effect in my life now. I got involved in renewal and was having a fantastic time, but, you know, I never dealt really with all the trauma that had gone on in my childhood. And when I was about 32 or 33, my mum had died, my dad had died many years earlier, I went into a, a deep depression. And the only person who didn't know I was in a deep depression was me. You know, Archie and Kath can tell you how silent I was and how dark the moods could be. And then one day I was doing what I did most days, I was looking at the scriptures, not finding very much life in them, not finding much energy in them, not really allowing them to speak to me. When I came across the story, the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan, I'd read it so many times, so many times. But as I read it this day, the word became a light for my path and a lamp to my steps, because I realized for the first time in my life that I wasn't the Levite, and I wasn't the priest. I wasn't the good Samaritan. I was the one that was beaten up. I was the one that was lying on the side of the road. And I knew that somehow I had to open myself again to this Jesus, to allow this Jesus to be the good Samaritan in my life. And you know, I discovered that Jesus in the people within our community who I hadn't realised had been praying for me for a long, long time. I I found that Jesus in those who let me talk, and I found that Jesus in a woman, a therapist who was sent into my life, who shared with me, who helped me to see things differently, who helped me to, to face my past. She challenged me to let go. She challenged me to move on. She challenged me to grow. She challenged me to become something different. And often she would ask the question, she was a Quaker, and she would often ask me the question, where is your God in this? Where is your God? And I was moved, really, to a deeper level of faith. I was moved to a deeper personal awareness because of her. I think that moving to a deeper level of faith is what weekends like this are all about. Your word is a lamp for my steps and a light to my path. It's been about recognizing the invitation to let the word of God illuminate our lives. To let the word of God move us more deeply into the whole arena of transformation We've been challenged. We've been comforted. We've been confronted by, by Archie, by Drew last night, by Alice this morning to go deeper. Your word is a lamp for my steps, a light for my path. Will we, can we, allow the Word of God to illuminate our lives? Will we allow the, world, the Word to, to broaden our vision, to help us see in a different way? Will we allow the Word to, to challenge us to let go of what we need to let go of? Will we allow the Word to let us know in the depth of our being that we are beloved. Do you know that in your guts? You are beloved children of God. You are wonderful creations of a God who has fashioned you out of nothing. For all eternity, you were in the heart and the mind of God. When God looks at you, God loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the the mess of your life. He doesn't see the brokenness. He doesn't see the pain. He doesn't see the depression. He simply sees this wonderful child of God and says, come, come to me. Will we allow the Word to lead us into that reality? Will we allow the Word to lead us into a a life-giving, transforming encounter with this risen Jesus, the one who became and becomes flesh within us, the one who lived and lives amongst us? Will we allow our encounter with the risen Lord to set us free so that we can live life to the full. If, if you look into, you know, we're in Eastertide. I love Eastertide. If you read the Gospels of uh, the resurrection appearances, you know, um, you'll, you'll find that in all the meetings with this risen Jesus, people experience deep inner change. People experience that call to know the truth of who they are. People experience the mercy that has always been in the heart of God for all eternity and always will be in the heart of God, poured out in in time and space in the person of Jesus, but always there for us. Just think of what it must have been like to be Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, knowing that he denied Jesus, knowing that he'd made such a mess of things, and knowing that here and now there was to be an encounter. How would Jesus react? What would Jesus say to him? What would it be like hiding in his shame and his disgrace? And what does Jesus say? Come and have breakfast. (laughs) Come and sit down with me. There's nothing we can't sort out together. Think of, you know, Mary of Magdala. I love the account in John's Gospel, you know, where Mary comes away from the tomb and she meets the gardener and, oh, gee, she can't recognise the risen Lord. She can't see. I often ask myself the question, you know, why is it that she couldn't see? And I guess it's because she wasn't looking for him. <laughs> she was looking for a dead body. And you only really see what you're looking for. And, and so Mary of Magdala had to be challenged not to cling to what she thought she knew. You know, I I love this morning when Alice kept saying, it's about now, 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 now. Don't cling to what you think you know about Jesus. Let him meet you now. Don't cling to what you have been told about Jesus. Let him meet you now. That's what is important, the encounter now. Think of Thomas, you know, unless I can put my hands in his side, I won't believe. Gee, he got egg on his face. You know this this invitation to meet the risen Jesus and, and change, conversion, letting go all happen as a result of those meetings. that call to seeing differently, that call to change, that call to be willing to let go so that we can recognize this risen, present Lord, is what I think Jesus was talking about when he talked about the narrow road. You know, we seem to think that it's always about sexual morality. The narrow road is about being willing to let go of what you think you know so that you can meet the risen Lord. It's what that little word at the beginning of each of the Gospels is all about, you know, meta, what? Metanoia. (laughs) Metanoia. Repent, not whip yourself for your sins and feel good about doing it, but fall into the life and the love of this God who is standing in the midst of our lives. This God who is present in the fiber of creation, present in the very stuff of our existence. Where will you find this risen Lord? When you're washing up, when you're making the beds. When you're cooking the tea, when you're at work, when you're mixing with your family, that's where you'll find him. I've gone before you to Galilee. What was Mark trying to say to us? Galilee represents the world. Where will you find him? In the stuff of life. And so change, conversion, letting go is all part of the process of beginning to see clearly Metanoia, recognizing him again. And it's not an easy road to travel because we always want to stay with what we're secure with. We always want to stay with what we're comfortable with. And you know, the message of the Word of God is that there is always more. Always, always more. Wherever you are on that journey that Alice talked about this morning, there is more. So much more. I think most of us, Some of us, me, all right, (laughs) avoid that moment of meeting because it challenges us. It challenges us to live our lives in a radically different way than we have lived our lives before. You know, I don't want to be challenged about how I spend my money, I don't want to be challenged about how I vote. And I think, you know, with the general election coming up, that's a crucial question. Is it the gospel that is informing who and what we vote for? Or is it our own self and our own need? Crucial question. I don't want to be forced into areas of acceptance, forgiveness, love, compassion, because that makes me feel vulnerable and uncomfortable, and I'm a Scouser, and I don't want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to mix with people who don't fit in with my ideas. And yet I think, you know, those areas are precisely where our meeting with this Jesus forces us to go. And if the Word is a lamp for our steps and a light for our paths, it's to illuminate what needs to change. I, I often find myself thinking, you know, let's just do the nice religious things rather than allow our meeting with this risen Lord to change us. I, I, I think often when I'm in that frame of mind, I think often of, of Isaiah and 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 Amos, you know, who said it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about the bulls that you offer. It's not about the blood you pour out. Can't you see it? It's about how you allow the Word to form you so that you become this people of love and compassion.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximise your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.